0: Welcome back to Claim the Stage. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women currently meeting online. You can find one at speakersisterhood.com. Today's episode took a random turn. I I had originally planned on just talking to Caleb about money management and asking for uh, speaking fees and his advice on how to, once you've made money as a speaker, how to manage it. And we kind of went into a lot of different directions once I started to learn more about his philosophy and how he runs his business and how he deals with money and the advice he gives to others. I think Caleb is one of those rare people who's just a complete, um, standout and he's 25, I think, and he, someone emailed me, well, I I think it was a friend of his and said, you need to have him on your show. And I, he wasn't on my radar, but when I looked him up, I thought, wow, he sounds really amazing. <laughs> I'm sure we could learn something from him. And in the course of the interview, I was just really blown away by him and the way he leads his life. And we go in a lot of different directions, but I'm sure there's something in here that you can take away from it. And I'd recommend checking out his podcast and checking out his YouTube channel. He just has a lot of value to offer. He thinks differently about how you should save money and what you should do with it in order to make it work for you. So if all that stuff sounds interesting to you, I think you will like today's episode. So I'll give you a little bit of his background first. After taking over the entire investment department of a bank by the age of 19, Caleb saw firsthand how 98% of Americans were financially failing despite professional financial advising. After three years of traveling the country being mentored by the most successful financial minds, Caleb discovered a better way to build health not health, wealth. <laughs> Leaving his prestigious position at the bank, Caleb founded the company Better Wealth, authored the best-selling book, The And Asset, hosts the Better Wealth podcast, and speaks to thousands around the world. One of the youngest leaders in the industry, Caleb is quickly becoming the new face of finance. We talk about all this and more on today's episode. So without further ado, here's my interview with Caleb Williams. All right, Caleb, welcome to the show.
1: Angela, it is a pleasure being on here. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on.
0: We have so much to talk about. Your public speaking career, all the work you've done in financial management. You're you're, you're an author. There are so many people listening to the show who want to do what you're doing, building a business by going out in front of crowds and getting them pumped up about what you do. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about, but I thought we should start with the fact that you're doing this work and you're at a very young age, you've done so much so far, what got you motivated and excited to get into this type of work? And not, not necessarily speaking, but you know, money. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like it's a lot of times when people when people see me, and that's why I asked before we recorded, are people going to see me? Because the first thing that I have to do is they're having a heart attack because they're like, how in the world is a 14 year old kid, or at least it looks like he's 14. How is he going to tell me anything about speaking, anything about money or give me any value of all? So I, I, hopefully the bar is set low, so I'll exceed that. Um, but I, I've i always been into to money. I It goes back to when I was... Um, Growing up, I was the oldest of six kids. My, my mom and dad did this thing, the blessing bean challenge. And like, they would give us a bean for every time, like we did a good job. And then we, she had a, my mom had like a little checklist of all the things that we cashed cash it out for. And I saved, I never spent it. And then my mom went away with the program. So I'm still salty, but that back in eight, nine-year-old Caleb, I was like very much like to accumulate and you know see like see my beans grow and then from there i got a job at uh, at a chicken farm and without getting too graphic let's just say i i have a, an appreciation for chicken sandwiches oh, and and then i started making a lot of money there and i was like oh my goodness like my money can actually start working for me and and it just all like compounded from there i got a job at a bank at 17 and then obviously when i was 19 years old i had a crazy opportunity to t- actually take over the investment department and from there that's where I got my crash course deep dive in understanding a ton about money and obviously um, learned a ton, graduated college and then started Better Wealth at 21 years old and and have grown that too. Now we're, we're in 46 out of the 50 states so far in the US. We have 16 people on our team. Ironically, the reason I'm on here is we've used stages to grow our business and quite the journey, learned, learned a lot um but i love helping people get this money thing figured out because the metric for me is intentional living. You're not wealthy if you're not living intentionally. And vice versa. If you're living intentionally, you really have to reflect and, and know that that's one of the greatest places to be in life. And so that's kind of what makes us unique and i will i can go a lot more
0: into detail if you want, but a lot of i don't want to bore people, so well first i feel like you have a subtle discord with your mom cuz now i'm i'm invested and i want to make sure that you have somewhere to put those beans at some point in your life. <laughs> I, not they, they've made it up by being good parents,
1: okay. but I was very <laughs> frustrated about that. And, and I, I've, I actually have a whole episode on my, my podcast and, and my mom listened to it to the other day and she's like, man, I, I'm sorry. I didn't even know that was a big deal to you. And I'm like, well, it is. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning mom. Um, also when you say you're in 46 out of 50 States, what's in 46 out of 50 States?
1: Yeah, I, I'll clarify. We, we have clients in over uh, 46 out of the 50 states so um, in each state you know we track and because we have this thing called the internet and because we uh, use it well and, and, and I, ironically most people in our space don't even know how to turn on a computer so we're like very ahead of the game when it comes to technology we use you know technology to help coach and help people get implemented and and help serve people in almost all 50 states and by the end of the year it's my goal to be in all 50 states
0: Wow. Nice. Now I've followed some different financial experts and, you know, read different books and seen programs on TV. And I feel like everyone has their philosophy or this one point that they're always kind of driving home. What's your philosophy around money management?
1: Yeah. My, my philosophy is, is like, it's a two-part, you know, answer to that. So number one, my philosophy is most people, are devaluing their number one asset, which is themselves. So most people in the financial world, if you came to and sat down with a financial advisor, it would be like, okay, let me look at your money. All right, what am I going to do with it? We want to diversify. We want to grow it. And that's your financial plan. And I look at that and I go that you are the derivative of everything in your life as it relates to the money that you have, as it relates to your life, as it relates to the relationships, as it relates to the, the value that you've created and will create. And yet we're not thinking about money in the context of ourselves and in context of time, and the context of what we actually want to do now and in the future. So I think one of the biggest philosophies, and I I didn't necessarily come up with this, but we very much believe at Better Wealth, that you, as an individual, are your greatest asset and most people are not respecting themselves in the context of how they spend their time, how they spend their money, and how they think about their expertise and abilities. So that's the first thing. And then we we have a four-step framework that I could also go into that is like how we walk people through because a lot of people want to give investment advice or give strategies. What I find is most people don't even have the mindset of how to think about money. And so we find if we take a step back and teach them our four-step framework, which I would, would 100% be willing to do um, if you would like, It really helps people say, okay, I get it. And then whether you're starting a speaking business, whether you're starting a business, just in general, whether you're investing, it will give you the principles, the foundation to help you build up whatever you want to build.
0: Okay. Maybe we can get to the the four things later because we have a lot of other things to cover. And you cover a lot of that in your videos too. So we can direct people that way. Um, One question I have just out of curiosity, because I primarily work with women and a lot of women speakers, and I notice that they often struggle with pricing themselves and figuring out what what should I ask for is 500 too much is 5000 too much and they feel like because they know their content so well or because it's just them up on stage, why should they pay me X amount. Um, they really struggle with asking for money. And I wonder if from your perspective, as someone who works with a lot of people across the country, do you see women having more of a hard time with this subject than men? And if so, why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I see across the board, people devaluing themselves because we assume the value that we have or the knowledge that we have is not valuable. Mm-hmm. And and it is. And people like you've spent sometimes 10,000 plus hours learning this. And so there's a, huge opportunity for people to rise up and, and just gain a lot of traction.
0: So what advice would you give to someone who's struggling with valuing themselves and having to price themselves for speaking gigs?
1: Uh, as a money guy, money falls value. And so one of the biggest problems that I see and in our business, but then also when we, cause we're hosting events and, you know, bringing people in is a lot of people, um, it's they don't necessarily they, they have a hard time uh, communicating the value that they're bringing that's probably the number one mistake that i get is yes you're super smart all these things are amazing but what value are you bringing to the the to the meeting planner and what value are you bringing to the people in the room the people that can communicate that will get a a speaking gig the other thing or speaking you know fee the other thing is there's one thing to have a a speaking fee so my speaking fee is $5000 I rarely ever get a full 5,000, but I use it as a negotiation tool to say, okay, this is, what, this, is what I, this is what needs to happen for me to come out and we can negotiate and maybe I can scale something on a stage or maybe I can get a free gift to start, um, I can maybe take that and the stage can be worth more, fi- more than $5,000 for me, but I might only be getting a $2,000 speaking fee. And so there's there's another way to think about that. And so number one, be able to articulate the value, and then number two, understand the value that that stage will bring you outside of just making money from speaking. It sounds like you do life coaching as part of your your work. Is that true? I, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I feel like we're marriage counselors. To be yeah. honest, we don't we don't necessarily advertise that. But yeah, I mean, we w- with our program we meet with people and we meet with them across the board. And a lot of people, when it comes to money and when it comes to what you do, it's all in the mind. Mm-hmm. And so if your mindset's not right, good luck trying to build wealth, good luck trying to win stages. You got to get that figured out first before we we grow.
0: Yeah. So do you, does you, do you and your team have to sit down with potential clients, clients and kind of, take money, the whole subject of money off the table so they can first start to understand what are their goals and what do they care about. And I feel like that process in itself is valuable. And also like that, (laughs) that clarifies so much. And it's so, it's such a cool, like added benefit of your service. Is that
1: accurate? Yeah. I want, and your audience will love this. So in the, in the wall street investment world, ROR stands for rate of return or return on risk. Those are the two metrics. And so a lot of people will spend their whole life chasing that metric. We've reversed that and said, ROR is return on result. What does that mean? Get super clear on what's important to you. What would you do if money wasn't an issue? How do you define financial success? Ask why five times. That's where you're at. And then your time, your money, and your abilities need to be spent in a way to live that reality. And it's incredibly simple and nobody's doing it. So yes, we are life coaches to the extent that we can get, we clarify what people really want and then we get them to use their time, their money, and their expertise in the most efficient way to get that. It's not some retirement. It's not some metric. It's something way more tangible because wealth for us is intentionally living your life.
0: So what are some steps you recommend taking when you're trying to help people live in this way? Uh,
1: Number one, number one, Ask the hard questions and, and talk to someone that's not emotional about your situation and get clear about what financial success would look like. And then number two, it's auditing what, what you're currently doing. And there's three things you can audit as it relates to your money. You can audit your cash flow. You can ask the question, can can I make cash flow is essentially money coming in? Can I make more? And everyone listening to this, if, if you're in the business of speaking, that answer is yes. But then also what are you doing with that cash flow? Is it all being gone? Or where how can we be more efficient? How can we hold on to it more? What are more efficient ways to keep it? Then we can look at assets. Assets is a retirement accounts, whatever you want to call it. It's anything that's of value. We'll audit that, and we'll also audit your debt and ask a question: Are your cash flow, or your assets, and are your debts aligned to help you better live an intentional life? Most people, number one, are getting clear, and number two, don't actually know if they have their cash flow, assets, and debts are efficiently working for them. Most people's financial plan is to stick their head in the ground, which Um, it's what they do, but I would, I would argue that it, it shows up in other areas of their life. And so, um, those are the two most important things. And then from there, it's creating a strategy. And I, I wrote a book on a specific strategy, but to be honest, there's hundreds of different strategies from there. If you get clear on what's important and you have a process of auditing where you're at, you are ahead of 98% of people.
0: Wow. I was going to ask you about your book. It's called the and asset, right? Can you tell us what the and asset is? Yeah, so the so the end
1: acid is a book that I self published when I was uh, two and a half years ago, so 21 years old, and I I was just sick and tired of saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. I was I just left the bank. I started my business in the basement of a Papa John's building, so you know, like definitely definitely wasn't killing it at the time, Um, but but I wanted to communicate a way for. Entrepreneurs and investors. So my book is only for people that are near are in entrepreneurship or investors. And it's a specific way that you can overfund life insurance. So it's it's a it's a way to say, okay, we're not using life insurance for the traditional reason. We're actually overfunding it. We're putting as much money in. And the reason when it's set up and used properly, I, I taught my clients how they could save money, it could grow the rest of their life, but they could also use that capital to invest in marketing, people real estate or whatever they wanted to invest their money in. And because I wanted them to understand that control was just as important as compounding your money. And most people are telling you, you need to choose between long-term or short-term. And I wrote in my book that you don't have to choose anymore between future and now. And if you know the rules of the game, there are strategies that allow your dollars to do more than one thing. So I did, I, I wrote that book. And then I also started getting into the speaking world and that's been a one, two punch, um, you, I know that you've, you've been in this space. We have over 8,000 copies have been given away or sold. And it's been, I've, I've worked hard for each one of them. So (laughs) it's definitely been a, it's been a journey, but um, I definitely think it has been, it's helped me win some stages and it's helped me scale some stages and it's a form of leverage. And I think the wealthy people that create wealth understand how to leverage their time, their money, and their abilities. And for me, speaking and book are two ways for me to leverage my knowledge and get it out to more people.
0: Absolutely. I just had a book coach on the podcast, Honoree Quarter, and she talked a lot about the importance of speakers also being authors because it elevates your speaking fee, it elevates your brand and credibility. Did you find that that happened for you when you wrote the book?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I'm 21 and look like I'm 15 years old when I wrote it, okay? Yeah. And I am speaking, I spoke to a group um, at an institution that's been around for a hundred years, that's never had a speaker under the age of twenty-five, and here I'm speaking in front of a bunch of people that are very experienced. And why? It's because of my book. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, plain and simple. Like, and again, you have to be, you have to perform. But I got my foot in the door because of the book, for sure.
0: Now you mentioned a minute ago investing in life insurance. Why life insurance? I mean, it, without going into the weeds,
1: life insurance is not an investment. Life insurance is a, is a savings place that we teach some people to save their money. And if you put your money in a savings account, it, it's, it's liquid. It's, you can control it, but it doesn't really grow. And the growth that you do experience gets taxed. Life insurance, when set up properly, gives you that same liquidity and control over your money but allows your money to grow tax-free without losses, without fees for the rest of your life. And also gives you the ability to, to collateralize or borrow against your money, to invest in your, yourself, your business. And so essentially you can create a strategy to put a dollar in and have that dollar grow the rest of your life and still control and access that dollar to be able to do other things while your money grows. And again, it's not for 95% of people a lot of problems that entrepreneurs have and investors have is they have their investments they want to invest in, or they have their business. And so what they're doing is they're not, they're not saving any money. And this is a, a, a strategy to help people save more money because we need to be saving 10 to 20 to sometimes 30% of our money. How is that even possible? Well, the only way that I think it's possible is if you can save it, but also use it throughout your life. And so it's a specific strategy. again, for most people, it's not the best, but for some people, it can be a game changer, and um, that's—I mean, if I can—if I can look young, talk about a technical topic like that, um, anyone, anyone can do anything. I—I I think because I'm—I'm I'm like a perfect example of how anyone can get ahead with that message.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyone who's interested in that can get your book, the And Asset. Do you have other resources available on your website that maybe people yeah. who aren't entrepreneurs or investors could use? Yeah. If you go to my website,
1: betterwealth.com, it's betterwealth.com. You can get my book. You can check out our podcast. We actually have a free cash flow assessment that will show you on a two line graph if you're financially balanced or not. And I'm just warning you 98% of people listening to me are not going to be balanced. And what that means is you need to make some tweaks to your life. So that, and I would rather be the person that tells you that we want to be the company that gives reality, but also hope. And so we have a ton of resources there. And then, you know, and yeah, there's, there's other things there, but betterwealth.com is, is where your audience can go.
0: Okay. Now I'm interested in other things that you you mentioned earlier. You'll ask for $5,000 as a speaking fee, but then you'll use that as leverage and maybe you'll take 2000 in, in exchange for other benefits. Can you talk in more detail about what those other benefits are and how you, how you use them to grow your business? Yeah.
1: um, I'm, Thank you for asking. And and I would love your feedback. And this is going to be like a, a coaching session that you and I okay. have. But, <laughs> right. but essentially I, so I look at a stage and I put a value on it. And to be perfectly honest, I said 5,000. I actually won't speak on a stage. Like I won't travel to speak on a stage. If I, if that stage won't get me more than $10,000. And so there's a couple things. There's the speaking fee, there's the relationship, and I'm a long-term thinker. But then there's also like, what am I, what's the call to action? And a lot of times our call to action will be a free book, but you need to fill out a a a form um or to get to get that free book, or or sometimes we'll offer our $37 financial x-ray, which will essentially people after our whole process will know exactly where they're at and get a one page report and then and then some of them will work with us. And so I I know the lifetime value of people. And so a lot of times if we can get one to three clients, that that value long-term will be over $10,000. So for me, I would go, I've spoken on three stages. So last week I was in San Diego. I spoke to a, a real estate mastermind. I, I actually paid to be there. Like I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pay to sponsor, but I actually paid travel and, and, and keep. But if you look at the value of that stage, that's a six-figure stage for us. Why? Because half that room is going to be clients of ours and they have masterminds. And so that, that was one of those things where I was like, I don't need to get the upfront money. Cause I know that my company has a ability to scale that, but I got in the room because I was an author and because I had, you know, a $5,000 speaking fee that I waived, it made me more valuable. And so, so always have a speaking fee. You are making the biggest mistake just by saying you're a free speaker, you could speak for free. But just know that if you're going to lower your speaking fee, what what is how are you going to make that back? And and that's probably been the, one of the biggest epiphanies that I've had, and has has helped me a lot.
0: How do you uh, promote yourself to conferences or clients as a speaker? What what's your process? Well, there's there's a couple a couple ways. Number
1: one, I I have a podcast of my own, and I think it's in a phenomenal way to meet people. Um, I think you are a good example of this. Like I, I'm a big fan of you and we, we met through this. And so that's like, that's really cool. Um, and also once you, I think the first one to two stages are the hardest. And once you kind of get over that and I, I film everything, like everything I do, I have a camera person that literally like we have someone on our staff that films everything. And so I will, I would never go to a speaking gauge without filming it because I, we can leverage that in a sense. Um, and then I'm I like, I do weird things. Like when I meet people, I'll send them socks with their face on it. Or I will, <laughs> I'll send them a video card with a video that I shoot. And then we'll put it on a card and mail it to them. And and it sh- and the card will say like, why I should speak on their event. And and to be honest, a lot of people never just, if you're just some, if you just reach out, you'll have a pretty good chance. But nobody like sending stuff like that just that's very rare. And, and again, I know what is if I'm going to get, if my speaking fees 5,000 and I can get a $10,000 stage and I spend $40 on a video card, it's worth it. It's just, it's just the follow up and tracking and being intentional. And so that's, we we're, we're kind of weird on that end of like, we're, we're creative, yeah. but, uh, and I'm still new to this whole thing. I've, I've really only been speaking for a year and a half. Um, you know, and, and just recently we've had a systems to better scale. Before then, I probably lost some money speaking because I would go with the greatest intentions and then I I wouldn't follow up with anyone, which is like the... Uh, most awful thing to do.
0: <laughs> well, it's a beginner mistake, I think, but I love that you have those reconnection tools, you know, the socks and the video. And one of the things I often teach new speakers to do is to pick up the phone and call the person that they met a week ago. And everyone looks at me like I'm crazy because no one uses the phone anymore, but that's yeah. the idea. What's no one. What's a phone?
1: Yeah. Like, what is that? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I agree. I, I, and I also am a big fan of video, huge fan. Like this is something that everyone can do right now. Figure out a way to send videos via email and like do it. Or if you have their number, like you can send a video on a text message and video emails. Like we will not send an email. I will not send an email, just straight up email. If we met at a conference and I was like, I want to be on your podcast, you'll get a video email from me and you will be so blown away. Now they'll get popular or whatever, but you'll be like, wow. Like Caleb took a minute out of his day and sent me a personal video. Like it just, helps you stand separate yourself. And and so that those are all little things that I can't I can't point to one thing, but I think it's showing up, it's being consistent, but it's also being willing to like shoot a video and say, "Hey, like I would love to serve your audience."
0: Yeah. I think it also shows that you're someone who's willing to be a little risky and courageous and put your face out there. And if I was going to hire a speaker, I'd be saying, oh, this is someone I want on a stage because if he's going to do this, what's he going to do in front of all my employees?
1: So that's great. And the other thing is you and I both have podcasts and we've had people on the podcast that go, oh man, like I'm going to, like I do not want to publish this cuz it wasn't good. I'm just assuming I, you might not. I definitely have had people that I'm like, "Oh, this is not good." Yeah. Um so also, if you have pr- if you have an example, so if you have spoken before and it's been recorded and you can create a highlight reel and like a why me video, huge. If you, and so now I think it's it's we have momentum because I have spoken on multiple stages and so we've we've used that. And so people know that it's like, "Okay, if I bring Caleb in, it's not going to be a disaster." And, I, and that is important because people really are protective of the people that they serve. And you should be like, mm-hmm. if this is a bad interview, I don't want you to put this out to your community because I, I want to give you that permission. And that, I think that's another thing. It's like, I, I think it's just having that humility. And when people understand that you care about their audience, it, it's again, we've, we've won stages that the first we've, we've gotten to no, know. And then in the follow up, the way that we've responded was like wow like okay i'm going to put you on a list and actually like we've gotten calls to be like hey we had a speaker drop do you want to join like so it's just it's just being uh val- bringing value in every way that you can
0: mm-hmm. have you ever put together your own events or have you always spoken at other people's events yeah well, what's the day today? okay
1: yeah we would have i would have just gotten off my first event ever that we hosted so i've had a workshops we were going to have a 500 person event and we postponed Um, mainly because I just, I think it's from a marketing standpoint, our first event was going to take a lot of time and energy. Um, And I, there's a lot of uncertainty right now with travel and what states will be open. And so um, the hotel has a good chunk of my money and they they're postponing my first event. Um, We hosted, I had a 50 person um, workshop and we're we're right now going to have four workshops, assuming January is a whole new year. We we'd have a, once a quarter and then a, an annual event in in the fall and that that is that is the route that we're taking. And obviously I'm I'm bummed because we had to postpone that.
0: Yeah, where would that be taking place? Denver, Denver, Colorado, where oh. where I live right now. Okay, cool. So we've talked about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and I'm interested in um the mental part that comes along with dealing with finances, because you talked about how 98% of people don't really know about what their debt is and what they're, where their assets are and what, the cash flow, where, how they can improve those things. And I think a lot of people um, feel a lot of anxiety about getting started and what this is going to be a huge project. And what if I uncover something that I don't really want to see? How do you help people with that part of the process of getting over that mental hurdle?
1: I think it's really difficult if we don't have the end in mind, and the end in mind is we have one life. An exercise that I'll do with a lot of people is I'll actually have them fill out. Like I'll, I'll give them a hundred boxes. Each box represents one year of your life, and start having them do that exercise. And I think, and this actually is goes for if you're nervous about speaking too. It's like you're gonna die someday. Like I guarantee you, hundred years from now, very few people are gonna be thinking about you, and and you have an ability to serve. And, you know, other than Donald Trump, no one's thinking about you. Like, I actually think people actually get up and think about him. But other than that, like, nobody else is thinking about you. And there's there's freeing. There, it's very freeing to think about that. Just to be like, you have so much to give. Like, your one life is so valuable. And, and like, if we don't understand, like, what we actually want to do with our life, why would we go through the work of trying to win a stage? And then, God forbid, winning that stage and then speaking. And why would we go through the work of the painful hours of trying to figure out our money? The only reason we do that is because we have a message. We have a life. We have an impact. We have so much that we can do impact wise. And so that's that's what I would say is we got to get clear on that. And if we don't, it's a brutal process and I wouldn't recommend it. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily recommend speaking for everyone unless you have something bigger than yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are you as confident as you come across?
1: <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> I, would, I would say this. I, I've I realized, and this, this is actually an interesting story. So when I was at the bank, 19 years old, I was terrified. Uh, didn't know a thing, by the way, and was like going through this process. And I, I was reading Think and Grow Rich for like the third time. And I was realizing that most people, um, they have deeper root fears, and what's interesting, I grew up in an amazing house. My dad's like a medical doctor. My mom actually stayed home and homeschooled us, so we have an interesting story there. But but I realized that I was afraid of poverty, and what, I was afraid of what other people thought of me, and I was afraid to put myself out there as the money person and then fail financially. But it's interesting. I I never like I wasn't actually fr- afraid of not eating. I wasn't afraid of like being on the streets, because I have people that love me that would never let me be on the streets. And so what's interesting is at 21 years old, as I was going through that process, I I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, like, if I'm afraid of what other people think about me, I will, I will live with some kind of regret in my life. Because again, you have to understand people that love me very much were recommending me not to start a business because it's actually pretty foolish, 21 year old starting a financial planning business. It's crazy. I yeah, would not recommend. You don't recommend see a lot it, of people
0: doing that. <laughs> no,
1: I mean that's when you're like you're in your senior year of college and you're getting an internship. Yeah. Like, and so so it's not necessarily recommended. But I, I remember looking at my mission statement and I was sitting in the corner office of the bank and my mission statement on I was telling people I I my my whole mission was to help people see and reach their highest potential. And I'm sitting I'm sitting here and there's this thing called Google. I'm like, well, I'm, I wonder if I actually use the internet in a way. To actually inspire, to educate, to implement—like I knew that was possible, and I knew that I was just reaching reaching people that were coming to me. And then I promised myself early on that I was not going to let fear control my life, and I refused to live with regret. Compounded that, as I started Better Wealth, one of my one of my um, mentors slash father figures slash co founder Better Wealth died two years ago f- with cancer, left oh. three kids under the age of eighteen and his and his parting words to me was this Caleb don't forget the reason why you started and he's the reason why we have our company being all about intentional living so i i would say this i i love people and i i'm not i hopefully i don't come across arrogant cuz i don't want to be that way but i also know that this message has impacted people and the reason like the the re, way we come across speaking or the book or our company has actually inspired people to quit their job that they hated or save money to do something that they loved or take a step back and be a, a more intentional father or mother. And I realized like, that's a micro example of what we're building. And if I don't share this or if I let fear or regret get in the way, um, I'm, I'm actually being one of the most selfish people because my message matters. And I want to just encourage all, all the people listening to this, you're an expert. You have been, You can inspire so many people by speaking. And that's the attitude that you need to come with. Because people are better off if they if they hear you speak, and that's just changed my perspective. And so, have I have I messed up big time in front of people? Yes, and it doesn't define me as a human being.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have a daily practice that helps remind you of that, or is that something that's just so ingrained at this point that you live it and you breathe it? I, I mean, I I'm
1: I'm a believer, so I, I'm as a, as a Christian, I definitely um want to want to say that I have a deeper. Purpose other than just making money and, and being successful in business. I take cold showers first thing in the morning every day, and so it's it it sucks for about a minute, and then it's like okay, everything else is good. And I will say that I I definitely try to um, journal and have a a morning routine. And I'm not the greatest with with that, but what is consistent is I do wake up in the morning and I do I do something that really charges me. And I have uh, recently been spending a lot of time in the sun, and um, have I'm definitely into health hacking as well. And so I, I'm definitely trying to figure out how how we can how we literally can be our great assassin, not just financially, but health wise.
0: Well, I love that you practice what you preach because everything you shared at the beginning of the show about knowing where you're going and knowing what matters to you is exactly what you're living. And I think that's so important when people want to work with you to see that that's not only what you talk about, but it's your everyday. That's so cool. Um, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This was really helpful. I know we kind of talked about all kinds of stuff, but I know that the audience likes to, to know about other speakers and get some of your perspective and experience. So we kind of covered a little bit of all of it. And I know we didn't get to your four, is it the four frameworks?
1: Listen, if people are nerdy enough and want to know, have them (laughs) reach out to me. Yeah. Or, or they'll find a, the, they'll find a the video on YouTube. So <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have lots of content online. I'm sure they can cover it and find everything they're looking for. So you mentioned where to get your book, where to your website, just share with us one more time where we can find more information about you.
1: So if you go to betterwealth.com, that's the best place. And then I also have a podcast called Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. And that's where we just had our 200th episode drop today. Nice. So we've definitely been um, consistent and it's that's been a journey in itself as well.
0: yeah, congratulations. Any last parting words that you want to share with the audience?
1: i I really, really want you guys to understand that one life and if you want to do an exercise that's kind of morbid, but it will help you, print out like start filling out boxes that represent the life that you lived and really really live that that. Whatever you have left, whether it's a day, because we have no idea when that is going to be or whether it's going to be another 70 years, like it goes quickly. And um, we have we have so much that we can give. And I just I want like I want to inspire anyone to go and and go for that because I've been impacted greatly by some no name people that have won a stage or they've gotten in front of me. And helped me, and I'm a, I, I'm a better human being because of them. And I would have never heard of them or never been impacted if they didn't take a leap to get there. Awesome! Thanks
0: so much. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, you can show me some love by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen so more people can find us. Claim the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and it's recorded in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Chris Collins. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now.